All right, well, get your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we've been in this series um, that we called Friend Request. And uh, we're talking about friendship with the Holy Spirit. And Paul, in his benediction to the Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, he said, hey, the, the grace of Jesus, the love of the Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And, and what we're talking about is if we're going to live a successful New Testament life, you know, if we're going to be the New Testament church and, and we're really going to live the life that God's called us to, uh, we need to know about the grace of Jesus. We need to know about the love of God, but we need an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit's our friend and he helps us and he refreshes us and he leads and guides us and he empowers us. And so we've talked about a lot of different things. And last week we took on the topic if you were here last week, we took on the T word. I took on tongues. And everybody's like, thank God I missed it. No, <laughs> um, but, you know, we, what we say is it's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, then we want to at least apply our hearts to understanding. Whether we understand or not, we want to apply our hearts. And so if you missed that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. No one got out a, a snake or a tambourine or a streamer. Any, nothing like that happened. We just simply talked about something that's in the Bible that could actually change our lives. And so I encourage you to go listen to that message. But this week I want to talk about uh, the fact that the Holy Spirit gives to us, that he is a, he is a giver and I'm really going to talk about spiritual gifts. And so I want you to understand this and see this. It's also in the Bible. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts. So let me just clear some things up. First of all, you see that spiritual gifts. Um, you know, we've talked about some phrases that sometimes people are not sure what they mean. Or like we talked about the word Pentecost. And Pentecost has nothing to do with the amount of makeup you can wear. It's actually a Jewish a holiday or a Jewish feast. And so we're clearing up some misconceptions. Well, one is, you know, this word charismatic, like you heard, I'm a charismatic or that's a charismatic church. And charismatic is another word that really from the Bible sense, it has nothing to do with snakes or waving your hands in the air or a wild church service or anything like that. Whatever is comes to your mind when you think charismatic, uh, charismatic is, it comes from the Greek word charisma or charismata, right? And that's two words. Charis is grace and ma or mata is gifts. And so when Paul says now concerning spiritual, he actually says now concerning spiritual charisma. That's actually what the original language says. And so charismatic doesn't have anything to do with, with the church service at all. It just has to do with the fact that by the grace of God, he's given us gifts. It's gifts that we don't earn. We don't deserve. They're, they're given to us by grace. That's all it means. And so he said, now concerning spiritual charisma, <laughs> concerning spiritual gifts, this is what he said, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, here's what Paul's saying. We want to lean in to understand the things of God. We, we don't want to stand back out here and say, well, I don't get that, so I'm going to stay. No, he's saying, hey, I want you to lean in. I want you to understand some things. And because we have the Holy Spirit and we have the Word of God, there's really no excuse for us to stand back when we don't understand. We should apply our hearts to understanding. So he says, I want you to understand some things. Verse 2, he said, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God. No one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is cursed. Now, he's clearing up some 
divisive things in the church. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 4. This is where I want to get to. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God. I love that because it's the Trinity, the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Seven. To each, everybody say each. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 8. For to one is given, now here are the gifts of the Spirit. There are going to be nine gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us that Paul lists. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, or that's some versions say the word of wisdom. In other words, that's where God gives us wisdom that comes from Him that we can speak. To another, the utterance of knowledge. That's, again, knowledge that comes from God according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. We talked about that last week. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one. Now watch this. All of these are empowered by one in the same Spirit. Watch this. Who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so I want to talk just a minute. I want to talk about spiritual gifts and then we'll talk about some application. And so let's kind of jump into this idea of spiritual gifts. And I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And, and I want you to, 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 re, to see this and, and then remember what verse 11 said. Verse 11 says that he apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now here's what 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given, watch this, to each of us, all right, so we can help each other. All right, so let me talk about this for a minute. First of all, here's what the Bible says, you have a spiritual gift. Now, here's why you have spiritual gifts, back to verse 11, because you have the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe that we own the gifts. I don't think like, well, I own the gift of prophecy or Something like that. I don't believe that. I think because I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that he can apportion individually as he wills. In other words, because of my relationship with the Holy Spirit, any of his gifts can flow through my life as he directs them. So I don't own a spiritual gift as much as I steward it. Does that make sense? But what I want you to understand is the Bible says because of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, here's what Paul's saying, because of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, all of us have spiritual gifts flowing through us. And the purpose, by the way, of a spiritual gift is not to draw attention to me. It's to draw attention to Jesus. And it's to help other people. And so I don't have a spiritual gift for me. I don't have a spiritual gift so I can put it on my business card. I don't have a spiritual gift so I can let everybody know, well, I have the gift of... No, I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit... And he has gifts that he allows to flow through my life to glorify Jesus and to help the people around me. The gifts of the Spirit that flow through me aren't even for me as much as they're for others. And I don't own them. I, I just, I steward them. Let me give you a definition of spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is a special, and what's this word? Supernatural a special supernatural ability. I almost called this, instead of calling it he's a giver, I almost called it he has superpowers. <laughs> but anyway, 
A spiritual gift is a special, in other words, it's not a natural talent. You know, maybe your natural talent is basket weaving. That's, that's good. God bless that. But that's not a spiritual gift. These are supernatural abilities that God gives by his spirit. So it's a supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children. Watch this. So that together we can advance his purpose in the world. There again, these are abilities that God gives us because of our relationship with him and the Holy Spirit that flow through us to help other people and to advance the kingdom of God. That's, that's what spiritual gifts are all about. It's about God working in and through us. It's about us working with God. That's what Paul said in Philippians 2, that, that um, God works in us to will and to work. Or, yeah, God is in us to will and to work according to his good pleasure that we're co-laborers with God. And you need to understand when we're talking about spiritual gifts and, and, and the way that God uses them. They're used to advance his kingdom. But you need to understand, and this is a great picture to me, we, we don't work for God. We work from him. He's the source. So I don't have a gift to go out there and work for God. I work from God, and my connection with God allows his abilities to flow through me. So now I'm working from him. Remember, I died. Jesus lives in me. The life I live is now by faith in the Son of God. So now, now he's working through me. It's not that I go out there and work apart from him. No, it's my relationship with the Holy Spirit, my connectedness with him that allows his ability to flow through my life to help other people and advance the kingdom of God. And so this is about working with God or better yet, working, working from God. And so I want to talk about these nine gifts. Now, there are more than nine gifts, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I just want you to understand these nine, since this is what we're talking about, since these are the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. I want you to understand them. So there are nine gifts, and you can break them into three categories, um, the discerning gifts, the declarative gifts, and the dynamic gifts, or you could say the perceiving gifts, the proclamation gifts, the perceiving gifts, proclaiming gifts, and power gifts. So if you're a P person or a D person, you can categorize them either way. How about that? And so I want to kind of categorize them, discerning, declarative, and dynamic gifts, and there are three in each category. And so if that helps you just a little bit, break them apart. And so I want to talk, first of all, about the discerning gifts. And so the discerning gifts, he lists these three, the word of knowledge. So what's the word of knowledge? Well, the word of knowledge is specific knowledge about something that didn't come through natural means. In other words, it's, it's when I know something I couldn't have known, but I know it because God told me. Does that make sense? And um, like Jesus said, remember the woman at the well? And Jesus is like, hey, call your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, yeah, you've actually had five husbands, and now you got a thingamajig. See, he didn't, he didn't know that except by the Spirit of God. You know, Jesus was working, he, he was man on the earth, right? So he was anointed of the Spirit. So you can see the gifts of the Spirit in the life of Jesus if you, if you just look. And so that was a word of knowledge. And then there's a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is more directional. So it's divine direction to answer a specific um, solution. So essentially it's where God gives us a solution to something. He gives us wisdom, all right? And then there's a discerning of spirits, um, and this is discerning of spirits. This is where we're made aware of the presence or activity of demonic spirits. Uh, you see this in Acts 16 with Paul. And uh, Paul is just walking. And this lady is behind him saying, this is a servant of God. This is a servant of God. But he discerned that she had a demon. And he actually turned around and cast a spirit of, the Bible says, divination out of her. Now, it's interesting. She was actually saying the right thing but it was by the wrong spirit. 
right? This is why you need... And let me, can I clear up something? Because I've heard people say, well, I have the gift of discernment. Let me help you something first of all. Uh, There is no gift of discernment in the New Testament. There is the gift of discerning spirits. And when, when I, sometimes when I've heard people say I have the gift of discernment, really what they have is the gift of criticism. And so under the name of the gift of discernment, they get to criticize everybody's actions and motives and intentions because they have the gift. of No, you don't have a gift of discernment. You have a bitter spirit and you have a gift of criticism. And that's not from the Holy Spirit. It is from a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. You need to get delivered and understand that the, there is no gift of discernment in the Bible. There's a gift of discerning spirits. And we need that because we need to know when demonic power is coming against us. Wouldn't it be great if you knew when the enemy was working against your finances or against your family or against your business. And that's what we need to be able to discern. It's like, as a pastor, I pray for this all the time because there are many people, kind of like Acts 16, who show up and say the right things, but they have the wrong spirit. And you need to know, hey, is this the enemy working or is this... Is this okay? And you need to know, hey, what is warring against the church right now? Like I'm seeing some things in people's lives and, and I need to know what's coming against the church. And so you need the gift of discerning spirits, not the gift of criticism. And so those discerning gifts, and then there's declarative gifts. And there's three here. First of all, uh, the word of prophecy. And this is New Testament prophecy. And I've, this is another one that gets a little confused. New Testament prophecy is just a message of, and this is the key word, a message of encouragement from God through a person. All it says is we believe God can speak. God can speak to you. God can speak to me. But God could also speak to you to tell me something that would encourage me because then I would know, man, God spoke to you to tell me. And, and the gift of prophecy is not to tear down. It's not to point out people's sin. <laughs> you know, it's not, not to tell people what they're doing wrong. Um, no, the gift of prophecy is to encourage. In fact, Paul says New Testament prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. In other words, it's to encourage, build up, and comfort. That's New Testament prophecy. That's why every year we do what we call a presbytery service. And we actually have prophetic teams. And we invite our church to come. It's totally not weird. We don't do any weirdness. But people just come and they sit with the ministry team, they pray over them, and then if God gives them something to share, they just share it. And it's always encouraging, always builds people up. And we've had so many amazing testimonies and stories as people have been encouraged and built up through the gift of prophecy. And sometimes it's the word of wisdom and sometimes it's uh, the word of knowledge, but it's all encouraging and it's to, to build people up. And so that's what prophecy is. It doesn't take the place of scripture. It has to be confirmed and verified by scripture, right? But, but it's so awesome when God speaks to us. And you know, sometimes we're in a situation and you just need to know that God knows. And, and all of a sudden someone comes up to you and says, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but the Lord spoke to me and, and he just, and it can be something so simple. And all of a sudden you're just like, God knows, God knows where I'm at. God. And then sometimes I need to hear from God, but how many know the more emotional I am, the harder it is to hear from God, right? The more emotionally involved I am in a situation, the harder it is to hear from God. That's why sometimes it's easier to hear God for other people than it is for you <laughs> because your emotions are connected to what you're going through, right? And our emotions can tell us a lot of things, but isn't it so awesome when God comes and he just says, Hey, here's a word. And someone said, hey, I just felt God tell me this. And so, so there's declarative, there's the word of prophecy. And then there's tongues. And we talked about this. And, and this is talking about the gift of tongues. 
And remember last week we talked more about the grace of tongues, which is kind of private between me and God. It's my prayer language. But there's the grace of tongues, just me and God. And then there's the gift of tongues, which is for the church, but it must be interpreted. And so you can have a gift of tongues, but it has to be interpreted. And that's a heavenly language. Um, In fact, the tongues is a message from God in a heavenly language, and it's unknown to the person that's delivering it. But it has to be coupled with interpretation. And interpretation of tongues is understanding and expressing the thought or intent of the message in tongues. Right? And uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 5, Paul again in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, or 1 Corinthians 14, he's trying to distinguish between the gift of tongues and the grace of tongues. And, and we talked about all this last week. So if you're like, what does all this mean? Get last week's message because I can't reteach it all. But verse 5 says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. And that's what he's saying. He's like, hey, if you're just speaking in tongues and your prayer language, the the grace of tongues, if you will, it doesn't help the church. But there is a gift of tongues that must be interpreted that benefits the body. And so that's what um, he is talking about there. So there's the declarative gifts. And then the dynamic gifts. The dynamic gifts. um, and, And the first one is faith. And this is a a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Kind of like the centurion in uh, Luke chapter 7 when he he told Jesus, my my servant's sick. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, I don't need you to heal him. I don't need you to come. If you'll just speak the word, he'll be well. That's just a supernatural faith. In fact, Jesus marveled at his faith. Wow, what great faith. And, you know, there's been times in my life, this is one of my favorite ones, but there are times in my life, even in really hard situations, like I remember um, when we were moving into this building or we were trying to get into this building, and back then it seemed like we needed millions of dollars, and we didn't. But uh, we were in the hotel. We were a young church. There wasn't a lot of people. There was not any money, <laughs> and, and we were just trying to survive, and, and we thought, man, if we could pull together twenty or $30,000, we could get moved in here. And Now, this building didn't look anything like this on the inside. It looked like Pepto had thrown up in here. Um, because it was mauve. This was all mauve, had these big mauve things. And and so, and the carpet was frayed and messed up. And so it just didn't look like anything like what it looks like today. Um, and, and so we thought, well, if we could just get moved in temporarily, then we would just start working through and put new carpet in and paint and just as we could. And and I remember the Lord spoke to me one morning. He said, Marty, I, I want you to, to build a budget based on what you want to do in the building, not what you think you can afford. I called the elders and I said, I think God's going to blow our mind. I think we need to come back together and put together a budget based on what we want to do. And so we did, and it went from like 25000 to 90 something thousand. And then it stretched to like 120000 And we're like, okay. And the largest offering our church had ever received on any given day up until that point was like $11,000. And so, you know, you can do the math. That's a long way from 130. But God moved powerfully and we, we shared the vision and people came and they looked through this and it was a mess. Some of you probably remember coming here on a Sunday evening just looking through and we had the blueprints. This is what we want to do. It's going to take $130,000 to do it. We're just going to trust God. You know what? God, in a day, provided $130,000. And we were able to 
to dress this building up so that it kind of felt like us and kind of looked like us so that as our guests come in, and some of you have been guests who have come to this building, you at least get to see that we want things to be nice. I mean, we put as much lipstick on this pig as you can. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a church building, but we've made it as nice as we can. And and I just remember how we just, I just had faith we're going to be able to do it. And then when we bought the land and, and we had $280,000, we needed $420,000, and here we are raising money in the summer. You never do that. The oil, price of oil is down. And we're like, somehow, and, and at that point, because we have strong financials, we did have a bank that was like, we would love to loan you this money. And I, we just all felt, no, God's going to provide it. And, and we told you, we said, hey, church, we found the land. We've got 49 beautiful acres of land right in the prime spot of where you want to be. And God's going to build a campus out there that's going to change not just our city, but it's going to change nations. We're going to have a, a ministry center, and we're going to send people all over the world to preach the gospel. And, and in 15 days, we needed $420,000. In 15 days, through the generosity of people, God provided four hundred. And we needed, yeah, we needed, no, we needed $420,000 and God provided $830,000 in 15 days. And I just remember thinking, God, there's a gift, you know. And the other day I went out and drove by the land last, I don't know, Thursday, I think it was. I went out and drove by the land. I, when I get out that way, I go by and I pray over it. And I just pray that God raises up people out of the earth. Just that was the vision that I saw. And so I just pray that vision. And I was meeting with architects last week, and we just and started talking about the numbers. And it's a lot. I don't mind telling you. I don't have the, the, the hard number yet, so I'm not going to start making stuff up. But it's millions of dollars. And I just thought, God, millions of dollars. That seems like... I, it's funny, when we needed 100000 that seemed like $100 million. <laughs> Now that we need several million dollars, that seems like several billion. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I just thought to myself, I said, but God, you can do it. God, you can do it. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. But that's that, that stirring of faith that comes where I just believe in this situation, God's going to come out on top. He's going to win. And it's not a, a wishful thinking. It's not a hopeful thinking. It's like it's settled in your heart. And, and that's the, the gift of faith. And then, and then there's the gift of healing. And I think most people understand that's supernatural healing. It's where God comes and gives divine health and, and supernatural healing. And then there's the working of miracles where God intervenes like water into wine, if you will, when God intervenes and alters our natural circumstances. And, and can, I, can I just say something? Those are all gifts of the Spirit for the New Testament church. And, and what I want us to understand is that God is immutable. He didn't change. He can't change. He can't get better. He can't get worse. He's immutable. He's perfect. And the Holy Spirit's God. He doesn't change. And if he gave these gifts of faith and miracles and healing, he still does that. But you know what I realize is, in my opinion, we don't see enough healing. We don't see enough miracles. I mean, can we just kind of be honest on that? Like we have people in our church right now that need a miracle. And I just got to thinking about this, and this is what I thought. I thought, oh, we need healing and miracles and how do those come? Those come through a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I thought, I wonder if we're not seeing more healing and miracles because we don't have what Paul challenged us to have, which is an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
And maybe if we grew in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we would see more of these dynamic gifts operating through our lives and through our church. And for me, I just kind of took it as a challenge. Like, well, Holy Spirit, I'm going to become your best friend. I'm going to be close because I want to see your power move through my life and move through our church and, and change the world. And so let me, let me challenge you in a couple of ways real quick. So let's talk about spiritual gifts. Let me, let me tell you what I'd love for everybody to do. The first thing I'd love for you to do is uh, discover your spiritual gifts. I'd love for you to discover your gift. Romans 12, 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so here we go. You have gifts. Merry Christmas. It's like Oprah. You get a gift and you get a gift. And Okay, so I mean, never mind. All right, so obviously y'all didn't watch Oprah. Um, but we all have gifts and you have gifts. And, and I want you to know all of our gifts are different and, and, and they're given to us by the grace of God. But I want you to, to, to understand you have gifts. You see, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, um, just a few people had gifts. They were the, the priests and the prophets. And they had gifts, and the prophets had gifts, and the priests had gifts, and, and no one else really did. But what changed was the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on the church again. And when he fell on the church, then everyone was empowered with gifts, right? And then it went on, and the Holy Spirit fell not only on Jews, but on Gentiles, so that everybody had the gifts of, of God, the, the gifts of the Spirit moving through their lives. But then, you know, man always figures out a way to mess things up. And as the New Testament or the, new, or the, the, fir, the early church, as it began to, to fade and change, men did something that crippled the church. And that was we came up with this idea of clergy and laymen. And we separated people. And we kind of did the same thing. We hired people to be clergy and we said, these are going to be the gifted people. And the other people are going to be laymen. And, and those words, by the way, are not even in the Bible. They're not even biblical concepts. They're completely organized and created by men. But unfortunately, it's like I was in a meeting the other day, and this guy talked about, you know, well, I'm just a layman. And I thought, yeah, that's probably what you do. Just lay around. Because that's kind of the picture people get. Well, the clergy, they're gifted. They do everything. And the layman, we just kind of lay around. You know, wait on the end to come. Wait on the clergy to do everything. Because that was what they were taught. And, and the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, when Martin Luther nailed the thesis to the church door, it was built around this idea, the priesthood of all believers. And here's what he's saying. We all have gifts. We can all understand the Bible. Not just the guy on the platform. I don't know if you know this. I am no more gifted than you. I don't have like, it's not like I'm in management and you're not. We're actually on the same level. Yes, th this is my gift, right? And you want me here. You don't want me in children's ministry with your children, <laughs> right? Because for me, you know, like I'm okay with my kids, but I may not be okay with your kids. And I can control my kids, but I may not be able to control your kids without duct tape. And this is why you don't want me in children's ministry, it's like people have been offended. Well, I want Pastor Marty to counsel me. No, you don't. Let me help you. Because you're going to sit down and you're going to say, I'm doing this and this. And, and, and about 10 minutes into it, I'm going to know what you need to do. And I'm going to say, here's what you need to do. Stop it. All right, next. You don't want me to counsel. You don't want, those are not my gifts. 
This is my gift, but those are not my gifts. See, I'm just like you. I'm a member of the dream team and I'm serving in my gift. And, and, and the New Testament is this idea, it's this theological concept of the priesthood of all believers. You're a royal priesthood just like I'm a royal priesthood. And you have gifts just like I have gifts. And I'm not greater than you and you're not greater than me. But we all learn and discover our gifts together. And that's how we change the world. We discover our gifts. And you need to discover your gift. The Bible talks there are 27 gifts in the New Testament. So there's the nine we talked about, but Romans 12 talks about gifts. Ephesians 4 talks about gifts. And there are 27 gifts. Serving is a gift. Hospitality is a gift. Leadership is a gift. Encouragement is a gift. Giving is a gift. Mercy is a gift. And, and I don't even think the, the, the lists are exhaustive. And the reason is because if you read all the lists of gifts in the Bible, they, there's always overlap. And so I don't think they're exhausted. I think the gift is just those abilities that God gives us. Like if you've ever met a person with a true mercy gift, I think be merciful to the most knuckleheaded people in the world. And they're just all merciful. You know, they walk into a room and they're like, oh, that person's by themselves. And they go over. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting here thinking they're by themselves for a reason. Like, you know, because that's not my gift. But I mean, they walk in and instantly they're like, oh, that person needs to be encouraged and that person needs someone to be. And I'm like, how do you do that? You know, it's like, right? And you watch people serve in that, that gift of hospitality and it's just amazing how they can just serve people. And we all need this and how we take over the world. We, do, we discover our gifts. See, when we started this church, here's what I said. I don't want pathway to look like the pastor. I want pathway to look like the people. I don't want a church that looks like me. I want a church that looks like you. And the only way to do that is I've got to help people discover their gifts and and work in their gifts. That's why I want everyone to go to first step. Because at first step, I mean, it is, I mean, you get to hang out with us and that's cool and you get donuts and stuff and we give you t-shirts. I mean, you get free stuff. That's cool. But you know why I want you to go to first step? Because we do a personality profile and a spiritual gifts assessment. I want you to go to first step so you can discover your gift, so that you can learn to serve in your gift, so that you can minister in your gifts. You see, I believe this, that design reveals destiny. Design reveals destiny. God's design in me shows me God's destiny for me. And I need to know how I'm designed. I need to know how, how God has designed me. And, you know, we talk about destiny. And I said, ooh, I want you to walk in your destiny. Everybody be like, I want to walk in my destiny. But can I tell you something? Destiny isn't walking into something tomorrow. Destiny is walking with Jesus today. Like, that's how you get there. It's not we're waiting for some appointed time to walk into something. I don't know if you know this, but, 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 but we, we walk with him today. That's how we get to destiny. It's not walking into something tomorrow. It's walking, it's walking with Jesus. It's walking with God today. And so I want everyone to discover their gifts. Psalm 139, 13, it says this, for, for God created my inmost being and he knit me together in my mother's womb. And by the way, this is the same for you. You could just change that just like I did. I mean, God, look, for God created you in your inmost being and God knit you together in your mother's womb. And so we praise God because he made you and you're fearfully and wonderfully made and God's works are wonderful. And there's what he's saying. I'm one of God's works and God's works are wonderful. I've got good news for you. You're wonderful. 
You don't believe it. I wish you believed it. You're wonderful. And this is what he says. I know that full well. That's my heart for you. I want you to know full well that you're the work of God and you're wonderful. That's what I want you to know. You're the work of God and you're wonderful. And that's why I want you to discover your gifts. So discover your gifts. And here's the second thing I want everybody to do is develop your gifts. I don't know if you know this, but your gifts grow and mature as you grow and mature. Sometimes you even discover new gifts as you grow and mature. I don't know if you know this, but this is not where I started. You wouldn't want to, you would not have wanted me to pastor you the first day that I discovered I wanted to be in ministry. You would not have wanted to listen to that sermon. Right? Like I, I, I'm completely different now than I was when we started the church. When we started the church, I knew how to pastor 100 people. I knew how to lead 100 people. And so for us to get here, I had to, I had to grow and mature, and my gifts had to grow and mature. And, and God wants you to grow and mature. And God wants you to continue to move forward in your gifts. In fact, he, he says this, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, I love this, it says, let love be your high school. Remember, God, remember, fruit is maturity. So what's fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. So love is the highest fruit. So he's saying, see, he's, he's saying, I want you to grow in maturity, but as you grow in maturity, desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. In other words, you're supposed to desire gifts. There's nothing wrong with asking God for a gift. Maybe you're like, God, I really wish I had the gift of giving, or I really wish that I had the gift of serving, or I, had, I wish I had the gift of prophecy. There's nothing wrong with desiring spiritual gifts. In fact, one version says covet the spiritual gifts. And so as we grow and mature, God gives us more giftings and he gives us more abilities because we want to bring glory to God and we want to help people around us and we want to expand the kingdom. And it's one of my favorite things to, to do, by the way, is to watch how God, different people in Pathway, how God has grown their gifts and abilities as they've matured. Like there's a friend of mine that attends church here and, and I remember when he first came, we were in the hotel at the time. Any hotel people here? Any hotel people? Yeah, I was still, okay, awesome, Yeah. Woo, wounded warriors. Here we are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. But um but um but he he came. I remember the first time he'd been out of church for, for quite a while and and um someone had invited him and you know, found people, find people. Someone invited him and he just connected with the church and 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 he came and um I remember for a while he just kind of came and, and I'd talk to him after the service. And back then I could talk to everybody after the service because there wasn't that many people. <laughs> so, um, and, and then all of a sudden he said, well, hey, I could help as an usher. And he got on a dream team. Now today he's one of our usher captains, but that's not where the story stopped. See, he became an usher and he became an usher captain. And then as he grow, grew and mature, he got connected with an international ministry. And now he serves an international ministry that preaches the gospel all around the world that this church supports monthly. See, so you grow and mature, and now the church looks like the people. It's not a ministry I started. It's not even a ministry I serve in. And, and truthfully, I believe in the ministry, but one of the reasons we invested in the ministry was because of this guy. Because he was part of us and he was involved in this ministry. And it's a good ministry. It's a fantastic. What they do is amazing. But 
But we got involved in that. And there's that story of how that guy just got involved as an usher and that connected him to even a greater purpose. And I don't think God's done with him next. I think there's another purpose after that. As we grow and mature, our our gifts develop. So discover your gift, develop your gift. And here's here's the last thing. Use your gift. (laughs) Use your gift. Like this is how we take over the world. We, We use our gift. Can I just tell you that, listen, if you're... If you're here and you don't know Jesus, then that should be your highest goal is to figure out who he is and if he's real and what you need to do about Jesus. Like that should be your highest aim, that that's where life begins, right? This is life, that you know the one true God in Jesus Christ who he sent. That's where life begins. So if you don't know Jesus, that's your highest aim is to know Jesus. But let me tell you this. If you do know Jesus, do you know what your highest aim is? Your highest aim is to use your gift to advance the kingdom. That's your highest thing. If you, if you know Jesus, then the highest thing that you have is to use your gift to advance the kingdom. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift What's this? from his great variety of spiritual gifts. There you are. You have a gift. Merry Christmas. Watch this. Use them well. That's what I want for every person pathway. That's why we have that tagline, connecting people to purpose. Because I want you to discover your gift and use it well to serve others. Like this is how you take over the world. Everybody discovers their gift, they develop their gift, and they use their gift well to serve others. This is what, this is what you were made for. You were made to discover your gift, develop your gift, and use your gift to advance God's kingdom and to serve other people and to make a difference. God has called you and God has gifted you to change the world. Not God called me and God gifted me. No, God called you. God gifted you to change the world. And this is why we say, hey, get involved here. And this is why we have the four B's that we think God's called everybody to believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple and build God's kingdom. It's about spiritual formation because we want to take everyone on a journey where they're making a difference with their gift, where they're building the kingdom of God with their gift, where they're helping others with their gift. And we say, well, where does it start? Well, number one, it starts with believing in Jesus. Right? This is, this is where it begins. Life starts when you believe in Jesus. And we say it this way, that, that when I believe in Jesus, I receive eternal life. But as I continue to believe in Jesus, I experience abundant life. And that's why we do weekend services, because last night we had three people receive Christ in our Saturday service. And we say, God, they started the journey. They started the journey, but, but the reason we do weekend services, number one, is to help people believe in Jesus, but also to help people continue to believe in Jesus. Because any area in my life where I'm not believing God, I'm not experiencing abundance. And so I need to believe Jesus when it comes to my purpose and my destiny and his grace. I need to believe Jesus that I'm free from condemnation. I need to believe Jesus in my finances and what he says about that. I need to believe Jesus in my marriage and in my family and in my career and in my calling and every area that I believe Jesus as I continue to believe him because we don't start there. We start with believing he's Lord. 
But then we believe, well, he knows about marriage and then he knows about money and then he knows about calling and he knows about purpose. And as we continue to believe Jesus in every area of, every area of our life, we experience abundant life. And that's why we do weekend service. That's why you should be here every weekend because you're like, Jesus, I believe, but this weekend I'm going to believe you even more. And that's, that's where the journey begins. And then, and then we say belong. You believe in Jesus, but you belong to a family because every person was created to belong to God, but also belong to his body. Can I tell you something? Who you belong to changes you a lot more than what you do. What changes you actually is who you belong to. That's why we say you can't do life alone. Like if you're really going to become who God wants you to be, you're going to have to belong to him and belong to his body. And a lot of times we're like, well, I'm okay belonging to him. But I'm like, no, you need to be in a life group. You need to belong to his body. Because who I belong to changes me. Right? Who, who I belong to. And that's, that's, why we do, that's why we do life groups. Because life is better together. That's how we grow. That's how we mature. That's how we're changed in the context of relationships. So believe and then belong and then become. We're human beings, not human doings. And the Holy Spirit helps us become who God created us to be. See, sin had an impact on us. Death had an impact on us. And we were born messed up and broken. No one escaped the fall. We were born crushed. But then through a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we're changed from glory to glory into the image of God by the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we do next steps because you are transformed one step at a time. You are transformed one step at a time. That's why we're always saying, did you take a next step? Like some of you need to take a next step and lead a group because you're stuck. Some of you need to take a next step and get in a group because you're stuck. Some of you need to join a dream team because you're stuck. You haven't changed in a while, right? You need to keep taking a next step I'm still taking next steps. I've done all the next steps we offer as a church. Now I'm just inventing my own next steps. And that's really the goal. The next steps we have are just to train you. Have you been on outreach? This last week I signed nine letters. When you give for the first time to the church, we celebrate that. The same way when you join a group or become a leader, we celebrate all those next steps. And this week I signed letters to people who took their next step of giving to the kingdom of God through Pathway. Nine families said, we're going to give. We're going to take our next step of giving to the kingdom through Pathway. And we celebrated that because where your treasure is, your heart is. And they just took a step closer to Jesus. Giving is not about money. It's about discipleship. And these people are becoming disciples and they're growing. And I want to celebrate that. That's why we take next steps. That's why we celebrate next steps. And then the last one is build. Believe, belong, become, and build. Because serving is what connects me to purpose. Just like my friend. He started as an usher, became an usher captain. Now he's part of an international ministry. Serving is what connects us to purpose. And you may sit here like, I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what I'm called to do. I just kind of feel like I'm here. Can I tell you the best advice I could give you? Join a dream team today. Join a dream team today. Which one? I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Join a dream team today. And if you try and you're like, I don't like that, we'll find you a different dream team. We have a lot of different dream teams, right? But join a dream team today. Because if you're stuck and you don't know what God's called you to do and what your purpose is, then join a dream team today because we're all called 
to use our gifts to help others and advance the kingdom. You are called and gifted to make a difference. You may not know it. You may not know, like one, Psalm 139 said, you may not know that full well that you're called and you're gifted to make a difference. But that's why I do my gift, because I'm telling you, you're called and you're gifted to make a difference. So discover and develop and use your gifts and we'll take over the world as we all discover, develop, and use our gifts to help others and advance the kingdom. Amen? Can you give God praise? <laughs> Why don't you stand with me? You've been so good and attentive and so proud of you. And You know, when people say, can we change the world? You know why I say yes? I don't say yes because I'm looking in a mirror. I say we can change the world because I'm looking at you. See, that's what I believe about you. Can Marty change the world? No, he can do his part. But we can change the world. We can build a multi-million dollar facility. And we can pack it out with more family. And we can build a ministry school. And we can raise up worship leaders and church planners and missionaries and send them all over the world. Can I do that? Not by myself. Can you do that? Not by yourself. But we can do that. Because God has called us and gifted us to make a difference. We can do it. Let's take the journey. Believe. Belong. Become. And build. Amen. Will you bow your heads?